<clears throat> yes, hello, Regeru. How are you doing? Yeah, the, I don't know. It, uh, are you hearing? I'm, I'm, I'm a tad nasal. I'm not like this, Ted, or or a horse like this while I've been. <laughs> but I'm a tad nasal. Yes, good ears there, Reggie. A tad nasal, but you know, here we are in February, and that's not bad. I haven't been sick yet uh, of any major degree, so you have to can you know you have to get sniffles sometimes, right? Hopefully, my. Uh, Immune system is is still fairly strong. I've been vaccinated, had the flu shot, so I seem to. I've always been fairly uh, germ. You know, my 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 immune system seems always to be pretty uh, strong to fight off regular things. But every so often, you know, a little germ gets in there. Yeah, but uh, good ear, good ear. That's why you're sitting behind the glass. <laughs> Okay, are you ready to go? Let's do this thing then, right? Put it in the book. Episode number 402402. Not O. Got to remember that when I talk to the actual people. For you, I could say O. No one's hearing any of this. I get that. But you watch. When I when we start recording, I will say 402. Four, four, well, you know what? How do I say that? 402, right? It's not an O, though. 402. There you go. All right, here we go. Ready? <laughs> Put it in the books. 402. <clears throat> Star smile strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain. Whoa, slow down, my friend. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, I know. You're trigger happy. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget, an important part of being a member of the Captain Podtastic community is not only listening, but also getting out there, spreading the word. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbors, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing on a regular basis here on the podcast, don't forget... uh, you can listen to lots and lots and lots more of whatever this is. Just go to WGNRadio.com, go to the podcast section, hit the plot for this podcast, and stand clear. The doors will explode. A burst of podcasts will engulf you going back. So just keep scrolling down and loading more. We've been doing a lot. This is episode 402.
Uh, did you hear that? Yes. I was talking to uh, Reggie, the producer, before we went on here. And <clears throat> yes, I am a tad nasal. Not overly nasal. Um, but uh, Reggie heard it, and I'm sure you could too. A little nasal. But what do you expect? Here we are in the um, in the heart of winter, I would say. I mean, the funny thing is, and maybe uh, another month or so, three weeks, four weeks, a um, little more than that, we'll get into March. March 1st, of course, is the official, the, the well, it's not the official, I don't know what's official anymore, meteorological spring starts March 1st. So, you know, here we are in February, just beginning the month, short month, although extra day this year, leap year, it's a leap year. So we go to a February 29th, but uh, we're, we're, we've been getting through the winter okay here. In Chicago, we had a very, very subterranean uh, or subarctic <laughs> uh, cold spell for about a, a week where we were under zero. Fairly, the, the temperatures were under zero. But we've made it through, and now, from what I'm seeing, we're going to be in the 30s and 40s um, you know, for the next couple of weeks. So that's great. We deserve it. But uh, you have to expect some germs or bacteria, whatever it is that causes a cold, to sneak in. I mean, nobody is completely uh, immune. I've always had a fairly good immune system. Fight off the the weak kind of uh, little sniffles and colds. I've, I'm vaccinated for the flu shot, vaccinated for COVID, so uh, I feel fairly confident. But every so often, a sniffle might get in. A sniffle isn't bad, thankfully. Uh, it's just a sniffle at this point. You never know what to do in that in this little point, in this little area right here, this kind of limbo area, where you first begin to uh, feel a little sniffle, a little congestion. I don't have a fever or anything. As I said, my voice is obviously a little nasal because of the nose being a little uh, clogged up. But you, you, but but it seems like you're always like at a at the precipice here. You're like, okay, I'm just beginning to feel this. Hopefully, this will, I will just discard this cold, and this will be the extent of it. Or maybe it will take hold and become a full blown cold. I don't know what to do in this in this limbo period. I'd love to just. I wish there was something that would just eradicate this. Get get you know we're out, we're right on the fringe. So while it's still weak and it hasn't um, completely engulfed anything in my system, let's fight it and get it out of here, as opposed to it getting in and then running the course. So hopefully we're um, in option A, but I'm not sure. I'm not taking anything. So I don't I don't know what to take. I know there's a lot of different things out there, and there's an emergency to, that uh, I've I've seen that. There's, but I don't know. There's you know, it's amazing that the common cold still here we are, 21st century, still can't cure the common cold. Isn't that wild? Jeez. What I wanted to talk about actually today is is talking about living in the 21st century. I don't know if we've we've really come to terms with the fact that we are in the 21st century, folks. In fact, next year, we will have already completed the first quarter of the new century. Do we even realize that? 
Because I don't know. We, we, we have moved technologically in so many ways forward, but other, other ways we are still living by some of these old, worn out um, kind of behaviors that we should have discarded. They were fine when they were, when, when they were, uh, you know, either in vogue or when we didn't have the, the knowledge or the technology or the ability to, uh, to move forward, but we do. And yet we still abide by some of these, these adages and these old wives tales as they were called. And it's the 21st century. I always, every so often, you'll hear me, I'll always refer back to Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone. Man, was that guy ahead of his time. In just the way he thought, he was writing that show in the early 60s. I mean, now that's almost 60, it's 64 years later. And and the things that he was imagining and thinking about and talking about in terms of the human condition and human behavior in human society, it was so far ahead of where the thinking was at the time. Sadly, Rod Serling passed away. I think he was only 50 or certainly in his early 50s, but maybe just 50. He died um, of, of heart failure. I think he died during open heart surgery. If you ever watch The Twilight Zone, you see the guy always smoking, always with a cigarette. I mean, it became part of his persona, but sadly, I'm sure it contributed to his early passing. But wow, I mean, I'm sure he, you know, he he would be he would probably be gone he would have he'd be a hundred right now probably right uh, <laughs> i think he passed away in the early 70s so you know yeah i mean he would probably be gone anyway but i wish we would have had him around longer because i think we 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 i think we would have he could have taught us some more lessons those shows still are out there and um and he really had some some interesting insights into the human condition, how we acted, and and where we might be going. But now what I'm talking about today is not all that esoteric. It's very, to me, it's 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 very logical and and doable. And and this is one thing that we could easily do to get into the times. It's the 21st century. We're not in the 1900s. We're not using steam trains. And um, one of the great things that I think, um, I said this back in the 80s when it it was just becoming um, available and recognized. Back in the 80s, when ultrasounds started to become much more common um, for a variety of of different ailments, but certainly one of the first ailments, well, not an ailment, a, 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 you know, a, a, a health issue was the, the ultrasound was used for pregnancy to make sure that the, um, that the fetus was developing correctly, that there, that everything was, was going fine. And I think that's been one of the great, great tools that we have invented uh, medically uh, because, you know, I mean, the birth of a child is pretty much the most important thing that happens on this earth, right? 
And you want to make sure that everything's going according to plan. And so the ultrasound was invented, and it really heightened and elevated uh, the amount of, of prenatal care that women can get. So often, childbirth was a great mystery. Um, you know, there was all, once again, these old wives' tales and all this, you know, oh, you know, the baby, you know, uh, you know, you never really knew what was going on in there. Uh, you know, a, a doctor could feel and a doctor could, you know, take temperatures and or, you know, pulses and heartbeats, but they didn't really know what was happening, um, you know, genetically and, 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 and developmentally, you know, in the body, in the fetus and, um. So ultrasounds opened up a whole new world of prenatal care. And, of course, one of the um, advantages, I've always thought, of the ultrasound was that when you're looking at the state and the health and the development of a fetus, that you could see its sex. And, you know, I mean, anybody over the age of 35 or 40 you know, remembers for the most part that the birth of a child was always the biggest mystery. And the sex of the child really was, you know, you know, first it was, oh, how's the baby doing? How's the mother doing? That's the first question. But the second immediate question was, is it a boy or a girl? Is it a boy or a girl? Is it a boy or a girl? And, uh, you know, there were, once again, all these these superstitions and these wives' tales, and women used to sit there and have parties and at the baby showers, and they would do all these different, uh, you know, ridiculous things that are right out of, uh, you know, superstition 101. Oh, they would, they would dangle a ring over the stomach, and if it went sideways, it was, a, I don't even know what the, you know, the, the, depending on how the ring was was hanging from this chain over the woman's stomach, the, the, you know, the, the, the shape it made as it dangled was supposedly going to tell you what the sex was. Okay, I mean, this is fine, you know, 5,000 years ago, but not now, not in the 20th century back then, and here we are in the 21st century. And it was always like, oh, well, you know, she's she's carrying low, like her stomach, so that's a boy. I, mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but... There was all this, these, these wives' tales or these, these superstitions or whatever it was, because we didn't know. We want, we always want more knowledge of the unknown, right? And so, you know, the woman is living with this, with this uh, pregnancy for nine months. It's growing in her body. Her body's changing. She's bonding with this. Uh, with this big giant lump in her stomach, right? That's all. If for a while, that's all it is. Occasionally, she'll feel a little kick or something, so she knows there is something in there. But it's a great mystery. It was always this great mystery, and now we have, you know, the, so the ultrasound comes, and now they're even, I'm sure, more uh, detailed um, than they were 40 years ago. But I remember when the ultrasound became more prevalent. In prenatal care, there were some people that were still clinging to this, oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. 
what it is. I want us to be a surprise. And, you know, treating it like it was something, it's a human being. It's not some, you know, some parlor trick. Oh, I want it to be a surprise. What is that? We did that. We created all these little superstitions with the ring going around and because we, we didn't have the knowledge, we didn't have the technology to know what the sex was. So we created all of these superstitions, all of these these adages, all these wives' tales to, 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 to bring some possible insight and possible knowledge of what the baby sex was because we really didn't know. But we wanted to give the mother who was anxious and and inquisitive as to is it a boy or a girl and what's the name going to be and you know what am i going to decorate the the room in pink or blue and all that stuff and in the 80s when when the ultrasound came around suddenly the doctor could tell you and they'd ask do you want to know and a lot of people were still like no i want it to be a surprise i want to wait it's like wouldn't you rather start uh, referring to this this baby as a human, not as a thing, not as an it. This baby is growing in. It's not going to change. It's it's been it's it's already been determined. So you know, uh, six months in, you're not going to say, well, maybe it'll turn into a boy. Maybe I don't know what it is. It's already is. I don't know about the when when the actual the sex of a child can be uh, you know when it happens or when it's determined but certainly by the first trimester it is so after 3 months at the very least you 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 can know and you can start to refer to this this bump in your stomach as a person as a he as a she you can even have a name for it to me, that's more natural. That's more. That's that's treating this like a human, like a like a like a person, not like a thing. Oh, I don't know what's happening in there. Well, we know what's happening in there, and, but people were still, even though they they wanted the ultrasound to find out the information that it would give them in terms of you know is the baby developing okay? Is everything all right? Five toes, five fingers, any genetic problems that might be happening? They wanted that information. But then they didn't want the sex of the child. What, what, what are you talking about? You want to make sure it's okay, but you don't know want to know what it is. <laughs> to me, that sounded. It, it just it, it made no sense logically, and it it really was kind of like it was it was it was medieval. Either either live in the future, live in the present, or don't. If you don't want to know what the baby was, sex, then don't even do the ultrasound. Then make it a full surprise. We don't know what it is. We don't know how it, you know, if it's healthy or not, but don't, oh, I want to know if it's healthy, everything, but I don't want to know what the sex is. That's the most important part. Is it a boy or a girl? What are you going to have? What's the name? I mean, that's, that's you know, that's the that, that's how you start thinking about a kid. I would assume I don't have any, but, you know, oh, you know, am I going to, you know, have a boy or a girl and what are they, how are we going to raise them? And, and and you can start to to refer to it as a human. 
Even if you don't want to do the name yet, at least you could say her or he. So I always thought that was strange. Oh, I, I don't want, we don't want to know. Well, now, hey, you know, I always, I've, I've got my problems at times with millennials and where, you know, their views of the world. But one thing I tip my hat to the millennials is they have, as they should, have completely embraced the ultrasound and they completely want all the information possible, not just the medical information, but also the sex and the gender. And now they have reveal parties. The Now, I mean, we've got people hand out the um you know the uh the ultrasound pictures like uh they do pictures of them when they go to the grand canyon hey here's here's our ultra here's our baby here's our ultrasound picture you see them everywhere they're on refrigerators people have them on their phones they're everywhere good and younger people today have reveal parties for the grandparents and the family, hey, we're having a boy, we're having a girl. We can now treat this like a human being instead of treating it like some oddity that's growing, in some alien that's growing in the stomach and it doesn't become uh, a real thing until it comes out. It's a real thing. So let's, 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 let's begin... To treat it like a human. So I've never, I've never understood that. So I'm, I'm always happy to see that at least in that area, we have moved culturally and behaviorally. I don't know if they still do this stuff at baby showers just because it's become a tradition with the stupid, you know, with the, with the dangling ring on the chain. But I mean, to me, that's got to be completely outdated because most people already have had the ultrasound before the long before the baby shower and most people today know what the sex is look it's it's a personal choice that's fine i get it but i i just to me it's once again maybe i'm just too logical uh, if, if I want the information that the ultrasound can give me about the health of the child, I also think that I should get the 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 all the, the full picture, which includes the gender. As I said before, the reason that we we put all this cultural importance or or we created these traditions around the surprise of the baby sex is because we didn't have the capabilities to know the sex of the baby before it came out it wasn't a choice it was a necessity and so because we had a limited amount of knowledge and ability to know the sex of a child we, as we always do, create traditions and create little ceremonies or whatever it is around that. But once we, we, have, we have advanced to being able to have the sex of the child, all those, those things should go away. They should be swept away. That's, those are from, those are, we don't use buggies anymore. We use cars. You know, it's, it's funny how we discard things 
from the past uh, that that you know that that have become outdated, but then other things we still cling to, and there's no logic to it. So even 40 years ago, I was saying, well, why wouldn't you want to know the sex? Oh, I want it to be a surprise. Well, I want it to be a surprise is such an, an antiquated view. And this is what I want to talk about now. We are sitting in an ant. Now, this has nothing to do with childbirth at all. And once again, I'm looking at my script here. And I was not, uh, uh, I was not intending to talk about the sex of, uh, you know, the, the ultrasounds and sex of a child here when I look at my script for this show. This show is very heavily scripted, <laughs> as I'm sure you could tell. Um, but, it, but, it, but it does give you an example of, of, of clinging to old traditions that don't really have a place in a modern society, which is what I am trying to talk about now today. Uh, it may not seem, to, it might on its face, it might not have the same importance about you know the, the the birth of a child of what i want to talk about here but it's about living in the in the in the present and the future as opposed to clinging to these old-fashioned outdated um traditions that were tr- only were formed as traditions out of our capabilities and an extent of our knowledge at the time. We need to move forward. It's the 21st century. As I said before, it's almost one quarter of it got done. I mean, we haven't just started. The year 2000, I don't even remember. There's some people that don't even, that weren't even, that weren't even born in the year 2000. You know, nine eleven happened. You know, twenty in twenty oh one. That that is that is a history. That's a that's a line in a history book to people that are in their teens or early twenties. It might as well be Pearl Harbor to those of us who were born. You know, after World War Two, our parents remembered World War Two. They lived through it, but I remember them being very. Somber and uh, and 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 very sad when when you, when you heard when you, when when it was December seventh the every year the the anniversary, but it it was it, you know it, it's the same way. There were people that were there when Lincoln got shot, and now we go to Ford's Theater and we and I've been there and you see it and you are sad about what happened, but I don't have a visceral or personal memory of it. But this is what I want to talk about today because it's driving me crazy. So, especially here in Chicago, but but everywhere. Le- recently, in Chicago, two of our sports teams, and this is not sports oriented. This is about once again traditions. But I'm going to use this because it's, it, it has to do with, excuse me, with sports or or but any kind of outdoor events. So it's not just sports, it's concerts, it's anything that goes on. We are having in the Chicago area um, some big debates and big controversies about the stadiums where two, at least two, if not more, who knows, uh, of our major sports, our major outdoor sports teams are going to play 
for the next 40 or 50 years. Uh, the Chicago Bears have been playing at the horribly antiquated uh, venue on the lakefront in Chicago called Soldier Field. It basically, it was, it is a, it's a, it's run by the Chicago Park District where high school kids play, you know, and college people play their sports. And that's where the Chicago Bears, the professional football team in the most, the most, uh, you know, popular and biggest money grossing sport in the world. Chicago Bears, one of the founding members of the NFL, George Hallis, helped found the NFL. One of the, the most tradition-filled legacy teams in the league, and it plays in one of the most antiquated, unspectacular, embarrassing venues in the league, if not even in the world. It was fine when football was was uh, you know in its infancy, but football now has elevated itself to the biggest money making, biggest influential, biggest gambling, and most popular sport in this country. And whatever happens in this country, you can argue in the world. Now, granted, I know soccer is probably a bigger sport internationally. I get it, but. But let's face it, the NFL, at least in the United States, is the sport. It has changed the gambling. It has changed people's behaviors. It is the number one sport. It has bypassed baseball, uh, and it is now the number one sport in any way that you, any matrix that you can, um, that you can use to, uh, or metrics, I guess, um, to, to define that. Meanwhile, this was this, this, you know, this small, you know, it was fine. It was big for the time. But once again, it was, it's outdated. And then, ridiculously, former Mayor Richard M. Daley and the short-sighted Chicago Bears ownership created some horrible renovation that in order to keep the you know uh, to keep the the colonnades of the soldier field there's some you know war related you know once again they 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 they, they it was it's an architectural behemoth it's ugly it's non-functional uh it's it's bad for viewing it's it's it's, it's horrible just one part of the of the Richard M. Daly legacy that has hurt this city. Ridiculous. So for the first time, I mean, the Bears started playing in Wrigley Field. Then they moved to Soldier Field. I mean, Wrigley, they almost had to reconfigure the field. It was crazy to play football games in Wrigley Field, in a baseball field. Then they went into Soldier Field, which was a little better. But as I said, it's run by the Park District. They, it, for, for 40 or 50 years, it's been it's, – it's so poorly kept. There's always uh, um, turf problems. I, the guys that are running, you know, that, 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 are, that are cutting the grass for kids' fields, uh, you know, in, in, in Park District parks are the same guys that are doing it for professional athletes. What are we talking about? 
The Bears are worth $5 billion. Have a respectable, world-class venue. Not only befitting the city of Chicago that, that prides itself on being the international city, which it, it wants to be, but, I, it, but not, when, not when ugly places like, like, like Soldier Field are hanging around. That doesn't do anything to elevate the city's reputation. It certainly doesn't, playing in Soldier Field certainly doesn't elevate the Bears' reputation as one of the founding members of the, of the NFL, playing in, in the worst, ugliest stadium in the league. So finally, in a burst of what would seem to be, I don't even know where it came from, but actual logic for the first time, bear ownership looking like they actually have some insight and creative vision they purchase the, the land and the former uh, Arlington Park racetrack in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Huge track of land, hundreds of acres for $200 million, whatever it is. And uh, they're going to build... For for finally, what would seem to be finally built from scratch instead of of renovating or 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 blocking onto previously built stadiums that are out of date, that are old, that that need to just be shelved, if not knocked down. Hey, look, if you can knock down Yankee Stadium. You can knock down any venue for sports. Yankee Stadium probably had the great, the original had the greatest legacy. Babe, some of the greatest baseball players in history played in Yankee Stadium. Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, everybody. And you know what? George Steinbrenner knocked it down and built a better one and a new one. So if you can knock down Yankee Stadium, you can knock down any stadium. Don't give me all that, that once again, this, this outdated tradition of, and, and, and my God, playing in Soldier Field has no tradition. It was a horrible place to play to begin with. It had had, for years, it had AstroTurf that players were, were, were killing themselves on this hard concrete AstroTurf. It was, it was, Soldier Field has been horrible from its beginning. And all they've done is try to update its horribleness. So finally, the Bears' ownership, I don't know what happened. Suddenly, they get somebody got a, a bright idea that actually made sense. And now, it's two years later, and it's still languishing in, in classic Bears tradition. There isn't, there have, they haven't even begun to build this. Even if they built, if they started building today, which they're not going to, this thing wouldn't be done until maybe 2028. It's going to take time. And they're still futzing around. So they finally made a, a smart business and 
and cultural and was a great it was a great move finally the bears seem to be moving into the 21st century after living in the 19th century for most of their existence and now it's languishing and now they're even oh drives me crazy they're even talking about you know, and I don't, I don't know if it's leverage to get a better deal in Arlington Heights. Hopefully, this Arlington Heights thing happens. The the powers that be, you know, the, the local governments and the local school districts, they want, you know, of course, you know, the, the Bears are going to make a a boatload of money, so they want money, you know, for you know, of all the 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 taxes, you know, for schools. I get it. But there comes a time when we have to make a decision, move forward. Everybody, you, you just got to start compromising and get the thing done. The land is just sitting there. Meanwhile, the Bears and the fans are, are playing in this horrible field. So hopefully, they're talking about building in, in, in downtown again. Like putting... Some kind of a, you know, in, in, in some area that was right next to the parking lot, George Lucas was going to use it for, for his uh, big science fiction museum, if you remember that, a few years ago. And then uh, a local um, activist group, the Friends of the Park, sued. They said, hey, you know, you can't build on this land that's on the lakefront. But now the, ba- why can't, so if George Lucas was ruled against he can't build there then why can why is the why is that even floating it's silly unless the city says well you know the bears are from chicago and george lucas is from uh, california so that's why i mean all that bs if somebody wants to build something that's going to bring tourism and going to bring some appeal to the to the city who cares where they're from but once again, Chicago lives in this kind of Mayberryish kind of view of the world many times. But if it if you couldn't build George Lucas's elaborate museum on that land, then why can the Bears? Why why would why would why would the courts then change their mind? If a law is a law, so forget that. Go out to Arlington Heights, build a world class domed stadium. And finally, let the Bears and especially their loyal fans who have shown a loyalty to a horribly run franchise for decades. And that's just not my, that's just not my opinion. We're almost 40 years away from the last Super Bowl victory, folks. 40 years. That's a couple of generations. That's ineptness. So the fans, I don't even know why they, they, the Bear fans have given this loyalty every year to the Bears because the Bears have certainly not given it back to their fans. So this field, if they don't want to spend money to, to actually you know, get real coaches and real players and real general managers who have, who have real um, experience in winning Super Bowls, if they don't want to do that, at the very least... Give your fa- if you're not going to give your fans a winning team, which you haven't done in in in, in almost fifty years, in more almost forty years, at least give them a nice place to see this catastrophe that happens every year. That's called Chicago Bears football. 
least give them a world-class stadium befitting of the Chicago area. Oh, well, if it's in Arlington Heights, it can't be the Chicago Bears. Stop with these old, once again, outdated viewpoints. Very few teams that use the name of the city are even located. I was just in San Francisco. They just built, they had Candlestick Park, which was a horrible place to see a game, especially in baseball. But it was, it was, it was right on the bay. The, 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 when I went to a game there one time. It was freezing in, in San Francisco, freezing in the summer because the winds at night were just barreling in. So what did they do? They built a world-class stadium in Santa Clara, California, which is 45 minutes away from San Francisco. And guess what? They're still called the San Francisco 49ers. The Dallas Cowboys, I don't think, ever played in Dallas. They were always in Irvin, Texas. I don't know where they play now. But once again, they built a world-class stadium. Huge. Beautiful. Doesn't have to be in the city. Get away from these antiquated views. It's the 21st century. So hopefully they build a dome, and it better be a domed stadium. That's the other thing that's going to drive me. If that doesn't at least have, if it's not a dome, it better have a retractable roof. This BS about Bears weather is once again an antiquated... There's no such thing as Bears weather. The players don't live in Chicago. The players aren't used to it. Most of the players, as soon as the season ends, they go, they're either from a warm place or they go to a warm place. They don't, they don't play in a warm... And now when they practice, they practice indoors. How come they can practice indoors, but they have to play outside? For this Bears weather crap that is so so ridiculously, you know, an antiquated thought that belongs back when, yeah, you know what? There was a thing as such as Bear weather because there we didn't have the technology to build a dome stadium. And then in the 70s, they did. They built the Astrodome. And that's 50 years ago. And this is my point, as a part of this too. What I believe is every new stadium that is built from now on, if it's not a a, a sealed dome, at the very least, it should have a retractable roof. If you want to keep playing with, oh, you know, the weather, okay. But you know what? When it's five degrees, it's not fun for anybody. And once again, think about your fans. Don't worry about, you know, this Bears weather stuff. But what about the fans? I've been to the game. I've been to one game at Soldier Field in December, and it was ridiculous. I was dressed like Randy from Christmas Story. I couldn't even move. I I had so many layers. That's an antiquated view. We have the technology now to, to, to have a, a, a dome stadium that's, that, is, uh, that is world-class in terms of a viewing experience, climate-controlled. The weather outside has nothing to do with what's going on inside. And that's the way it's supposed to be. 
50 years ago, 100 years ago, we didn't have the capabilities to build a retractable dome, or we didn't have the, 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 the capabilities or the money to build a dome stadium. But you know what? The NFL is the most richest sport in the, in, in the country, if not the world. So these owners can afford to build a dome that give their fans and their players the optimum viewing and playing experience in a no in a weather controlled stadium. Yes, if you want to have if you want to cling to this thing, then at the very least have a retractable dome. But this way, there's no such thing as a rainout. There's no such thing. This what drove me crazy. Did you see what was going on in Buffalo a few weeks ago during the playoffs? This is my. This is what really, you know, got me to thinking about this. They were bring. They were. They were offering fans twenty dollars an hour to help shovel the snow out of the the, the stadium in Buffalo because they, they. You know, Buffalo gets gets destroyed with snow it's 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 every year it's not like oh this was some weird anomaly buffalo gets 90 to 100 inches of snow all the time we know that they to me that it reminded me like we're in the 1930s we're hiring people to shovel snow out of the aisles of a stadium in the year in 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 2024 we're doing this in the 21st century we're hiring people to shovel snow build a new stadium if you're in buffalo build a new stadium with a dome and forget about it if you go to right now in Minnesota and in Detroit, which are cold weather cities, they both have beautiful domes. They just played a playoff game in, in Detroit. It was freezing outside. You couldn't tell. The fans, the fans weren't even wearing coats inside to watch the game. And the game was played, and the players are playing under optimum um, conditions. So... You were seeing the game play as it should be. You were seeing the, the, the quality of the teams as it should be, not with weather being an issue, snow or rain. If we're going to put such a, a premium and such an importance on football, especially, because football plays in any weather, at least baseball has the brain to say, hey, it's raining, we can't play. But football is tough. you got to play in any, in any weather. Arr. Yeah, so then if it's snowing or raining, they can't pass like they would, and the games are boring and they're messy. People are slipping and sliding. They're not passing like they would. They're running and they're falling down, and the scores are 14 to 7. And they're, they're sloppy games because of the weather. If you're going to say football is important to this country, it's our main event it's our main attraction it gets the highest tv ratings super bowl every year monday you know sunday night football whatever it is it's the highest rated show on network television if it's such a if it's important to people's lives if it's important as an event then it should be played the best way it can under the most optimum conditions and if you're a league that is making money hand over foot from now on any new stadium that is in the nfl or in, in Major League Baseball, any outdoor stadium that houses baseball, you know, soccer here in the United States, it's growing, but it still has never become on the level of football and baseball. 
And I don't think it ever will. Once every four years for the World Cup, everybody gets all excited about soccer, and then it goes down. Sorry, but that's the truth, folks. We've been hearing that story about when the kids grow up that are playing soccer now, it's going to be the number one. It's not. It's It's an international sport. It's huge in Europe. It's their sport. It's not ours. Football and baseball still eclipse it in terms of attendance and excitement. But regardless, soccer should be played indoors. Not indoor soccer in an arena, I don't mean that. But once again, any major sport that's of importance to anybody should be played in the most optimum conditions possible. So you need at least a retractable dome or roof or a complete dome. And there is no excuse for that. So if the Bears are thinking of building a a, a stadium, it shouldn't even be their preference. Like, oh, we're going to, no, no. There should be a a rule. The NFL should rule. Any new stadium built after 2024 must have a retractable roof or a dome, period, so that within 10 or 15 years, the entire league will have domed or retractable roof stadiums so that a Super Bowl A could be played anywhere in any city because now it's always warm weather places because, oh, oh, so... So you want to play the the Super Bowl in a warm weather uh, climate because you this is the most important game of the year. Oh, oh, you want optimum conditions so that so, so the game the two teams can play the best they can and you know under the best conditions so you get a real game. Oh, for the Super Bowl you will dictate that. But you won't do that for the regular season when these poor people with, with season tickets go out there eight times a year in cold weather cities? They have to freeze their butts off because it's football weather? BS. There's no such thing as football weather. Football weather is good weather. Football weather is, is in a dome or is, is, is sealed where it's 70 degrees. It's optimum conditions. That's football. That's football weather. Now, stop clinging to these. We had football weather before because we didn't have a choice. We had to play outdoors. We didn't have the technology for a dome or a retractable roof. So we we created just like we created with all the experience of, I want to be surprised when it's a boy or a girl. The same thing. Well, if it's no, it's, it's Bears weather because we play it well. But now we have the technology that, that for Bears weather is a myth. It always has been. Give your fans and your players a comfortable atmosphere to watch the game and to play the game. And it's the same thing with baseball. There's some, like here, Milwaukee, perfect example. They have a retractable roof. If it's going to rain, they close the roof. If it's going to be sunny, they open the roof. I've been in Milwaukee Stadium where they've opened, well, it looks like it might rain, and they close it. The game goes on. There's no rain outs. What are we talking about? It's the 21st century. There shouldn't be any more rain outs. Every baseball stadium that is built should have, new stadium should have, at the very least, a retractable roof, if not a dome. If baseball is the is the past the America's pastime and the sunny day, okay, I'll give you that. Then build a retractable roof 
for you're playing throughout the summer. It rains in the summer. So stop pretending that it's 1910. Use all the, the boatloads of money that you've made and build a retractable roof. So there's no more rainouts. If I buy a ticket to a game in Milwaukee, I don't ever have to check what the weather's going to be. I know there's going to be a game that day. But if I bought a ticket to, so, uh, to Wrigley Field or Sox Park, I don't know. I'm praying it doesn't rain that day because it's no fun to sit out in the rain and watch a game for nine innings. Or have the game, or I, or I take off of work and I make plans for somebody and then, oh, they've called the game off because it's going to rain already. They, they, sometimes they, they call the game off eight hours before because now we have the technology for the weather to see that a storm's coming before. Well, we don't know if it's going to rain. Okay. If you use the technology to call a game off because you're using the technology of weather forecasting to see that, the, that this game is going to, when it starts, it's going to rain, then use the engineering technology to take the rain out of the equation. Why is this so hard? No sports team in America can, can cry poor. No sports team. They're owned by billionaires, in these days, you have to be. Every team should have a retractable roof or dome that plays any outdoor sport. And, once again, you're opening it up now then for, for multiple uses. Concerts. Who wants to... I went to see Elton John a couple of years ago at Soldier Field in August. It was 95 to 95% humidity. My pants before the concert were drenched in sweat. At the concert, it was even hotter inside the stadium. I was sweating when I was in the parking lot, walking to the thing. I was drenched by the time I got in my seat. Not from rain, but from the heat and the humidity. If I'm spending, if you're going to a Taylor Swift concert or whatever now, with tickets are four or $500 a piece in stadiums like this, first of all, A, I'm buying these tickets six months in advance. If it's an outdoor stadium like that, it's mostly in the summer if it's not in a dome. And now I have to worry. Oh, my God, I hope it doesn't rain. Believe me, I've been at outdoor shows where it has rained like cats and dogs from before the show started until it ended, where I was drenched. Saw Bruce Springsteen several years ago at Wrigley Field. We There was a puddle in front of me. I was completely drenched. I went to England to see Elton John perform outside in a soccer stadium. It poured like torrential. I wouldn't have stood if it wasn't for this concert. I would not even have. I wouldn't even gone out to my car. It was raining so hard, and I sat for two and for three hours, four hours really. By the time I got there and waited for the show to start, in the pouring, drenching rain. So, if you're going to build a new stadium, whether it's a football stadium for seventy or eighty thousand people, or a baseball stadium for forty thousand. And you're going to start, and you're going to have multi uses for it, mainly concerts as well. 
or other events like the Final Four for basketball that you want a big crowd, not just the 20,000 in an indoor arena. If you've got a dome or retractable roof, now you can have that. Chicago hasn't had a Final Four because it doesn't have a state, an indoor stadium big enough. But Chicago would be the, the greatest place to have a Final Four. But you need 60 or 70 or 80,000 seats. Chicago hasn't hosted a Super Bowl ever because no one's going to go watch a game in 10-degree weather in January. A few years ago, they had the Super Bowl in New York. And they were, they were biting their nails. They got so lucky that the, the temperature in New York in January or early February was 40 degrees. They got so lucky. But you can't count on that. You can't have people flying from across the country to come to a, a cold weather city in the winter and hope that, it, that it's nice. We, we, we have the technology to take hope out. It's the 21st century. Act like it. The White Sox now, they built this white elephant stadium on the south side that the that the states that they blackmailed the state for thirty years ago. It was out of date the second year it was in existence. It's sterile. The views were bad. The upper deck was was horribly um, uh, tilted that people were getting that felt like they were gonna they were getting uh, vertigo. Horribly built design stadium from day one. Because Jerry Reinsdorf, who had a chance to build a stadium that, that had the plans of Camden Yards, which was kind of like a mini, you know, like a, a takeoff on the vintage Wrigley Field, didn't, had such a, has such a, 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 a block in his head about the Cubs. Oh, well, if the Cubs have that old crappy Wrigley Field, we're going to have the, the stadium of the future. No, it wasn't. It, that's baseball is all about tradition. The stadium of the future, Sox Park, was supposed to be the stadium of the future. It was outdated within one year. They continued to try to renovate that thing to make it more to more welcoming and and site friendly. It's horrible. And even Jerry Reinsdorf has finally admitted it after thirty years. So now they want to build a new one in another spot on the south side. Fine. It better have a roof on it. It better have a retractable roof. If you're going to start from scratch, you better put a retractable roof on it. If the Bears are going to build a stadium, it better have a dome or a retractable roof on it. Any stadium. Uh, to, to, to sit, I don't want to, if I'm going to go see a concert in Arlington Heights 10 years from now, it better have a roof on it. So I'm not sitting in the in the sweltering heat or buying this t- this expensive ticket and and crossing my fingers that it doesn't rain. It's the 21st century, folks. Let's act like it. And this to me is one of the easiest things we can do. American sports cannot cry poor. So let's get rid of all these, oh, football, weather, baseball needs to be played in the sunshine. Yes, okay, baseball should be played in the sunshine. But why do we say that? Because that's when it started. So we, so the sunshine became a part of the game out of necessity. 
But now we have the technology and the capability so that if it rains, the people don't have to sit there with ponchos on in the pouring rain. Or people don't have to sit there in sub in sub-zero temperatures for, for paying $500 a ticket to go to a football game and getting frostbite. Or a team doesn't act like we're in the 1940s and actually has to hire fans to shovel them out. To shovel snow. What the heck? It's the 21st century. Let's act like it. And this is just one aspect, but it's the easiest one, and it's the most obvious. As I said, we're, there's a lot of stadium talk here in Chicago, and I'm watching the the um, the playoffs here for football, and I'm watching what's going on in Buffalo, and and then it was raining in San Francisco, ridiculously. They know San Francisco has crazy weather. They know the San Francisco area has crazy weather. Build, if you don't want to build a dome, then build the retractable roof. As I said, I've been in Milwaukee Stadium. It's a marvel. We went to a game. The sun was out in the first three innings. By the sixth inning, it was dark and cloudy. And you know what? All of a sudden, I looked up, and the roof started moving, and the game continued. Didn't get wet. Saw the whole game. Went home. Got my money's worth. Didn't have to sit out in the rain, get drenched, or have a rain delay. What's a, a rain? In the 21st century, we're having rain delays? This sounds, this sounds, this sounds archaic. We have the technology. We have the means. Why are we still living by these old adages and these old wives' tales and these old traditions that are so outdated? Get into the 21st century. So hopefully, somebody with some brains is going to make an edict in both of the out, the major outdoors um, uh, sports here in America, baseball and football. And as I said before, using these stadiums for multi-uses then, if you have a roof or a, or a dome. Not, not just for the Cubs to play, but concerts and people can can enjoy it without worrying about getting drenched. I speak from personal experience. It's not fun. And especially now when tickets are three or four hundred dollars a piece. When they were ten dollars, you say, hey, you know what? That's what it, it comes with the if it rains, it rains. It comes with, you know, I, I paid ten bucks, big deal. When you're paying three or four hundred dollars for a face value ticket, no, no, I don't want. I don't want to have to check the weather forecast. It better be a dome. It better have a roof on it. That concert better be going on, and I better be comfortable, as well as the safety of the act. I mean, it's pouring rain. I mean, I saw Bruce Springsteen out there. I'm like, there's there's so much electricity on that stage, and it's pouring rain. And it's like yes, they are under a they are under a uh, an enclosure, an outdoor enclosure. But you know, when it, when when the wind is blowing, rain blows everywhere. So these guys are basically up there, you know, performing with electrical um, equipment, and they're possibly 
under the threat of electric of, of electrocution that every minute. <laughs> That's fine if this was the 1800s and we didn't have the ability, but we do. We have the money, we have the technology. Now let's just have the brains. Let's stop living in the past and live in the present and the future. We're not living in the 1800s. We're not living in the 19th century. We're living in the 21st century. Let's act like it. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 402. I'm Jim Toronto, and you're on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of my mind to your ears.